Welcome to the Crypto Podcast. You can find all our episodes on thecryptopodcast.org. We're also on BitChute and YouTube. You'll find the links in the podcast description. I'm also a podcasting coach because I've got five podcasts, four of them being in the top half percent, and you'll find everything on rycon.com. Today, my guest, please welcome Chris Zhu. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Thanks for having me, Roy. No problem at all. So I suppose you might let the listeners know who's Chris. Yeah, um, so I'm the co-founder and CEO of Mirror World. Uh, a little bit about myself, uh, I was I have historically been in finance as well as content producing. And I was at ByteDance working on uh, SaaS products as well as entertainment products uh, such as TikTok uh, that they made. And about a year ago, we joined the crypto space with uh, an artificial intelligence focused team uh, that worked on you know open world and MMORPG uh, solutions for the metaverse. So we wanted to make virtual characters self-governing so they would have their own personalities and make their own choices and make their own decisions within you know a multiverse of different open economies. And we started this project called Mirror World, which is a game matrix that utilizes the technology of artificial intelligence and allow our users to dynamically interact with their NFTs or their, their digital assets, so to speak. And yeah, we've been working with Adam for the past eight months or so. And we were funded by FTX Ventures, uh, Galaxy Interactive, Alameda, Republic Crypto, and those guys. So yeah, really excited to be here and share a little bit more about our project. Okay, excellent. And it, it's actually something that I've discussed with uh, people recently on the show that, you know, the way that you can actually use the assets from one game to another. So is that kind of the, the whole premise of what you're trying to achieve that people, whether it's Sandbox or there's all different things in this metaverse, that they'll get something and they can use that as well as the, you know, guns and different things like that. Right, for sure. Um, so when we think about the value of uh, non-fungible tokens, we really emphasize on the digital ownership aspect of things where um, it's only natural that one digital asset that you own can go into another kind of virtual society that maybe they have different kind of forms, 3D or 2D, but they're interoperable um, as we call them, right? So that's uh, that's what we've been trying to create uh, is a framework of these interoperable assets um, powered by the artificial intelligence algorithms um, so we think about them as kind of virtual beings or virtual life forms within uh, these environments. But yeah, the interoperability is definitely the first um, goal that we want to achieve. Uh, and right now we actually have more than three games in the pipeline where uh, uh, the same set of NFTs would actually get the opportunity to be entering different you know, uh, universes. So that's um, that's idea. And are you trying to keep it in-house? That's, I mean, you'll have three and obviously be more or is it possible that they'll be able to kind of go into other games as well? Will you be cooperating with other companies? Right, yeah. Um, so I think there are two routes that we think about this. One is that we definitely want to focus on creating our own content at first, because as proofs, proofs of concept, that's the only way we can actually understand the pain points when uh, you know gaming studios are developing this interoperable layer of assets, right? And if we are kind of just providing our assets and there are no scenarios and there are no gaming content for users to consume, um, then the asset themselves essentially loses value anyway. Um, they just lack that utility value. Uh, we see that a lot of NFTs only have a narrative value where you know they focus on community, identity, aesthetics, uh, and narrative, right? But um, those are very, very fragile uh, narratives. Um, for example, we see that Azuki's price volatility was very, very high uh, just because there are 
a little bit of a shade uh, on one of the founders. But you know, it quickly bounces back because they still had a good community. But that fragility still kind of uh, stays in with the system. And uh, one one way to solve that issue is with the utility. You know, multiple games actually provide. Um, so. We will start off the ecosystem by creating multiple games ourselves, but slowly onboarding, um, you know, different gaming studios will be the goal in the next six months or so. And right now we actually have three to four gaming studios that are actively in conversation um, that want to be incentivized with our Mirror World Matrix token and create games for, you know, the ecosystem right now, you know, whether it's Sandbox or, you know, the NFTs that we sell, we really want them to be interoperable in this universe where different games uh, will adopt the same standard. I've, I like, I've looked at the graphics that you've got and they're decent. Cause I mean, I was into games from a young age, you know, I had a Spectrum 48K Commodore 64. So I kind of grew up and, you know, appreciate good graphics and nice graphics when, when they're on for, for sale then, because I know like just looking at open sea and uh, like you've all these different types and just after listening to seeing board ape and all that do you have a couple of thousand of a certain one or are they all unique what's the actual way that you're selling the the nft of the graphic yeah yeah so um we actually design all of that nft graphics ourselves and we have uh, hundreds of creations of these nft graphics and then we select the best of the the you know the unique features right and then we combine them into a set of over 11,000 NFTs that are all intelligent. One really specific trait uh, that we have on our NFT and others don't is the AI powered soul. So uh, what is an AI powered soul? It's essentially the algorithm that actually allows users to create a personality or pick a personality uh, that's behind these digital assets. Um, so for example, if you're talking to your Pokemon, for example, uh, maybe, maybe one of your Pokemon's shy, the other is aggressive, they should have different personalities which affect the type of behavior they will have in game. Um, and we see that uh, most games right now don't actually have that. It's all just scripted uh, events. But um, in our ecosystem, there is a behavioral as well as a language algorithm that allows these digital assets to behave differently according to the traits that they have. Oh, that's, that's very interesting. And I, I see for like the royalties, um, I think it's 5%, I believe. Is that common? Because I know for artists, because it's something that I'm looking at myself and you know, I'm creating digital art and stuff like that. And I see like 10%, but for regarding kind of uh, in, in your uh, area, is that kind of the norm or does it vary as well? Yeah, um, I, I think every project varies a lot. There are, you know, CC0 projects uh, with not that much of a royalty. There are also projects like um, Fractals Marketplace, for example, if they charge a little bit more. Um, Binance, um, it's around like 4 to 5% or even higher. And we charge a kind of a standard. And then when we're selling on other launchpads, actually, we choose not to um, you know, take any of that royalty. We just want the community to have these assets themselves, and we don't take, take from, from those assets. So I think um, it really depends on the project. Some people set it at 7.5% plus the 2.5 that OpenSea charges, which is going to be 10%. And every transaction is actually really expensive for the users. And we want to kind of avoid that by setting a, a relatively reasonable, you know, 4 to 5%. And because it's something that uh, I see that if somebody is taking it from OpenSea, on somewhere is that possible because i've seen something on one of your twitter posts as well on binance so is it that you can kind of interact with other ones or do you have to keep it on open c right yeah, yeah. so um you know by the nature of uh, non-fungible tokens we can actually have our ethereum assets 
traded on OpenSea, on uh, LooksRare, X2Y2, any of these platforms. And then we also have a system where we sell tickets that are, you know, that are across different ecosystems. For example, there could be a BSC ticket like on Binance NFT uh, that can be redeemed for one of our assets on Solana. So we actually have a cross-chain solution that allows users uh, on different ecosystems to tap into our ecosystem by purchasing on their native platform, but coming to our website and our service to redeem one of our NFTs. And that has been you know, very, very amazing so far, where we see that BSC communities, uh, as well as Ethereum communities have been able to join our project through this type of kind of cross-chain bridge or migration um, for our assets as well. And like, does that then overcome, because you built into the, like, say the contract, the royalty thing, because I see just from what I've read, and then I checked it with a few people that, you know, if somebody takes it off one platform and onto the other, they can technically overcome having the, you know, the creator getting a percentage, which is a shame and not just on your thing, but basically for, you know, artists, especially. Yeah, yeah. So for, uh, let's say, OpenSea, uh, they charge a 2.5% and creator puts a commission. The commission part um, can also be written down into the contract. Otherwise, it would be like the OpenSea kind of splits that revenue. But, you know, there are ways to bypass the OpenSea take where you can directly transfer your NFT to other people's wallets um, and have like a direct message where you agree on a certain term. A lot of people actually do that for blue chip projects or for large scale like spendings where you don't want to pay like an extra 0.5% for just that transaction, right? Um, so you directly send it to someone else. I, I think that's all, you know, uh, relatively market friendly. If you are not price sensitive, then obviously OpenSea, Gems.xyz, these platforms uh, provide you with a, you know, better user experience and a faster transaction and also security, which is very important in our, you know, ecosystem, right? So we don't limit any of that. You can definitely do that if you want to. We just want our community to be easily transacting within the ecosystem. And what I'm seeing with, um, say, an exa- example of, say, Bored Ape, there are so many replicas of it and then they call it board ape chemistry or board ape this board ape that and it looks like the board ape but they have drawn a little twig on it i presume that's going against copyright laws is that something that you're kind of expecting and what you'll do about that yeah so uh we actually uh, fully incentivize the creation on top of our existing characters um so how we think about it is that in the web 2 space uh you have companies like nintendo uh, if you like games you're probably really familiar with these giants nintendo hasbro uh, these companies uh, profit off of IP. So if you're looking at their revenue structure, you actually see 70% of the revenue from licensing um, for Nintendo specifically, 30% from merchandising. So what they're, what they're doing is they're controlling the number of studios they can create on top of their existing worldview and their storyline. Um, and they want to benefit off of, you know, having that closed ecosystem of these characters, right? But we really believe that if a user purchases their own like mirror NFT, they can do whatever they want with like co-creating uh, or like secondary creation for that uh, for that prop- property because we can also always track which is the original one and who owns the original one and what those tra- transactions will look like. And by having more ecosystem projects that are creating on top of our kind of intellectual property, uh, the brand value of mirrors, mirror world essentially will increase. So we are thinking about not like charging people to create content and for them to be sued when you're when you're like uh, seeing that they profit off of the commercialization. We actually think that we should pay token to these guys for them to create really good content within our platform ecosystem. 
So a little bit of a different logic uh, when it comes to Web3 content creation, I would say. Uh, and everything we do is uh, Creative Commons uh, CC0 standard. So, you know, everyone can do secondary creations. And at the end of the day, that's kind of probably a good marketing strategy because what it's going to do is create a lot more, you know, people becoming aware of, of this, uh, these games and system. And, you know, like the real uh, followers or devoted people will actually source out to buy the original ones. Exactly. Um, and we've seen that with within our own community, right? We, we've seen that there are very, very distinct characters that really like the IP and the world that we are creating. And some of them, you know, have deep connections into consumer facing businesses like beverages, right? Sports drinks, and they want to put the characters on one of their brands. And, you know, well, we don't limit any of that. Um, there are, you know, kind of intercontinental businesses that do dairy products. Uh, and they want to put it on that. So it's very interesting how many different ways like these community members come up with kind of purchase uh, one of the NFTs and then co-create something brand new based on, uh, on top of those stories. So we kind of give that guideline and the framework as well as that ecosystem or um, econ economics behind these creations. But we never limit the form at which you want to spread out the words. And uh, I, I, I was looking at uh, on your open seating, you're mentioning that you're kind of changing from Ethereum to Solana. Is that basically regarding gas fees to try to make it easier for people to, you know, to resell and transfer? Yeah, um, I, I think the choice of migrating from Ethereum to Solana is twofold. One, you know, we believe that Ethereum is an amazing ecosystem, uh, but the throughputs, right, the transaction throughput is just not there. And so when we are... When we are thinking about how to deploy our games, we saw that there were limitations on Ethereum and we were picking the chain that would best serve uh, a gaming ecosystem because that's where we want to sit, right? And we saw that there are different choices, but only Solana really actively invested in, you know, upstream as well as lowstream, downstream, you know, uh, projects for, for gaming or game fi. Um, we saw that games would need distribution, development, user interfaces, payment structures, uh, marketplaces, all of that to be really successful. So if you're looking at traditional gaming, you have people who do the publishing, the development, um, you know, outsourcing for all of the uh, art directions, as well as like marketplaces like Steam. Um, so without any of those blocks, we think that games actually will have a hurdle to come through. Um, so Solana was an ecosystem where we see that there are amazing teams building on each one of those blocks and just really made sense that, you know, in six months time when from when we first started building the game, there will be a vibrant ecosystem. And we do see that uh, when you look at the volume on Magic Eden, as opposed to, you know, OpenSea now, the, the volume on Solana is slowly creeping up behind these uh, larger ecosystems. And that's when, you know, the bear market is head, heading so I think when, you know, we keep building in this, uh, in this market condition after six months or after four months, they will, there will be an explosive wave of developers uh, within this ecosystem. Like with, uh, you know, we're hearing for years about Ethereum 2.0. Is that something, I mean, nobody kind of knows really when it's going to be released, but is that something that could be competing with that and bring you back into that? I presume it will be something similar and is it something that could make you go back out or maybe perhaps use both? Right, right. So uh, when we're talking about like, you know, uh, 2.0, switching from a POW to a POS, the gas fee is not going to be decreasing by much. Uh, so when we're looking at that tax, 
tech solution, uh, we see that you know users actually still are going to care about um, how much it costs to do each transaction, right? Um, essentially, that's not going to change by that much, even though you know a proof of stake, uh, a proof of stake model is going to decrease that uh, the speed at which the transactions are being dealt with, and also kind of uh, solve some of the ecosystem issues. The gas fee is still going to be an issue. So I, I think unless that's there are some ways to solve that, Ethereum is still going to be having challenges with these high transaction throughput projects, and games are exactly that. So one thing we think about when we're developing the games is also how do we pick the best type of games that are suitable for on-chain development? And one really interesting ideology that I heard from one of the projects I talked to recently is that they are trying to pick out asynchronous PVP. What that means is you're battling with someone else, but your action and their action does not necessarily have to be in sync with each other. For example, golf is a very, very interesting example there because you're playing your own kind of path and the other guy is playing their own path, but it kind of intersects when you guys are playing a single game. Yeah, so I think games like that will have a very interesting place in Web3 gaming development. Excellent. And uh, like you said, building the community for this then, because I saw, like, obviously you're on Twitter, you know, you're that's obviously growing as, as you're going along, you're something like 27, 28,000. And I presume you've got a Discord group as well. Just like, how are you planning on actually building this community? Right, yeah. So um, I, I think the first first wave of users that actually entered our economy were people that were inter very interested in the AI aspect of things, as well as gaming, right? So we very quickly demonstrated that we can allow these users to interact and dynamically in introduce the, the AI component of these intelligent NFTs, and they got to develop and increase and level up the ability of their AIs. So their intelligence level would actually increase by the frequency of which you interact with them. So when the users actually got to know that, they thought the ecosystem was cool, so they entered it. And after that, we've been just building the products alongside our users where we talk to our community, we do our alpha tests twice a month, uh, and we have multiple games in testing stage where our users are constantly giving us feedback on co-creating like this narrative as well as this uh, gaming ecosystem. So um, we try to find events and activities for the for the community to do once in a while. And also for a lot of the new community members that join our ecosystem, we provide them with like AMA opportunities, partnership opportunities, and introduce them to you know gaming projects and crypto gaming in general. So that's what we've been doing with our you know uh, socials. And for Twitter, I think we're at 28,000 and we are at 17,000 for Discord members and slowly and steadily growing growing there. So we really wanted to value high activity as well as like natural volume. And we see that some of the Solana ecosystem have been joining our Discord channel and bring us a lot of, you know, really interesting topics to talk about. Oh, we also have our AIs within the Discord channel, which is very different from the other, the other communities where our artificial intelligence characters actually greet, greet these newcomers or these kind of new community members with questions. So it's a very friendly ecosystem. And does the AI stop all the spammers? Because I'm in a few different Discord groups and there's a lot of spammer in this space. Like, and I, I just wondering, are you able to actually kind of kick them out fast? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think there are ways to actually track these spammers. Uh, we have a strict non-spam, non-bank policy. But I think there are a lot of projects that are actually just trying to hype up the, the number of conversations within their 
their Discord. So they kind of just let these roll. And we also limit the number of you know users that can join via um, invitation challenges. So we never do things like that. I, I really think that natural growth as well as organic growth is very important for a community in the early days, especially in a bear market where it's not it's not the most important thing for you to have volume, but uh, it's more important for you to have a good and well sustaining community. Excellent, excellent. And just finally, are you raising funds for this? Is there an investment opportunity for people? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are two two ways you can you know invest into a project. Obviously, uh, one is the NFT sales that we do provide. Since that we are rolling out different you know different batches of NFTs, they're on the secondary market. They're on Magic Eden. They're also on Binance NFT. Um, so that's one way. And then the other way is obviously the token sales. We are still in the private sales stage, so we're not going to public sale yet. Our private sale was uh, led by, you know, guys at Alameda, Republic Crypto, Galaxy Interactive, uh, Mirana Ventures, Avocado Dow, YGGC. Those guys were all in our first round. Um, and then we are, you know, look, getting to know a lot of strategic partners through these guys as well. And we'll definitely let our community know when there are more investment opportunities into the project. Excellent. Listen, Chris, thoroughly enjoyed our conversations. You might let people know how they can get in contact with you. Yeah, I'm always uh, on Twitter. So Twitter uh, at Chris Zhu. Um, maybe we can attach that link somewhere. Yes, um, of and course. And uh, we can also, you know, talk within our Discord channel. Uh, I try to spend uh, a period of time of my day always in our Discord channel and just listening to any advice or any opinions regarding the project. And really for, looking forward to having you guys any of your listeners join our beta or our alpha tests and, you know, just sharing opinions within our Discord channel would be great. Excellent. Okay. Chris, totally enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much. And I'll make sure I put all the links below the audio and the video. All right. Thank you, Roy. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. Okay. So that's all for the Crypto Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on thecryptopodcast.org. As mentioned, we're on BitChute and YouTube. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, subscribe, give us a five-star rating. It really helps. Until next week, take care.